Well, for the first time in Plex Weather history, we're sitting down. We're I, I keep doing we're uh, when it's just me. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting down, uh, not up close. We're still in the COVID era, so we're still doing these virtually. But it's uh, good to have Richie Burke joining me on the show. Richie, welcome to Plex Weather. Thanks, Jace. Appreciate that, mate. I'm sure, you know, I, I planned on bringing you on the show a little while ago, and things got kind of busy around the holidays, and I just... Uh, I was like, well, I'll just I'll wait until we get closer to draft day. And I was looking through my questions I had written for that show. And the first one was like, well, what are you doing to keep busy during the offseason? And now we're we're recording on Friday. <laughs> the drafts on Wednesday. I assume the answer has kind of shifted a little bit. Well, let me tell you, I, I wish there was an offseason, Jason. It's, it's been <laughs> incredibly busy since we, we ceased operations in, in sort of November when players you know, went through their exit interviews. We we had conversations about their, their contracts. And, you know, it, it's just snowball from that. You know, we brought Kelly O'Hara on board. We brought Emily Sonnet on board. We're, we're down the, the track with a couple of other negotiations. It's like, wow, give me a break. You know, <laughs> I, I think Christmas was a little bit of a blur for me. Yeah, and, and you know, you we get into all of these um, these moves, you know, We've talked, you and I have gotten to talk on these press conferences um, about O'Hara, about Sonnet. Um, people can go see your quotes uh, from those at the, yeah. on Black and Red United, the, the articles that I wrote up following those. But I, I did kind of want to follow up on something that um, you alluded to in both of those press conferences was that with both of these players, we're talking about, you know, top elite players in terms of bringing the ball out of the back. And I, I feel like in hearing about how people perceive the spirit, that's something that people seem to feel like the team was already very, very good at that uh, as a starting yeah. point. Um, so I'm curious, um, did you see that as a quality that that still needs improvement? Uh, what, what specifically about that aspect of the game um, are you looking to maybe change in 2021 that bringing those players in might might help with? It's a great point. You know, it, it's really relative to penetration. Jace, you know, mm -hmm. building out the back and you know being comfortable with the football at their feet and and being possession-based players are, are integral to how we want to play. But it, it's the penetration piece. Will that stability that we now have allow, you know, uh, an Andy Sullivan to be able to penetrate with the ball a little bit more? You know, an Ashley Sanchez, uh, players who are in that two-thirds field area be a little bit more effective. You know, Kelly mm -hmm. O'Hara certainly gives that in the wide area because she... She'll run up and down that line all day long. She just is an engine that just wants to go, 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 you know? Um, Tegan McGrady on the opposite side, you know, come off a, a difficult year with, with injuries, but I'm mm -hmm. hoping that in the off-season, you know, she's addressed some of these problems. We've we've taken care of the plantar fasciitis issue for her. So we're hoping that in the, in the wide areas, we get a little bit more penetration higher up because we're a little bit more stable. And then it will free some other players, especially in the positions we're looking to manipulate, to be, instead of relying on Hatchie all the time, to, mm -hmm. to get penetration in other areas. And certainly, you know, certainly O'Hara gives us that in the wide areas. Sonnet's just a good all-round football, and she could play in a six, a deep six. We decide to sit with one or two, and we haven't really locked our thinking into anything tactically just yet. We've just added pieces that mm -hmm. I think will, will enable us with a good foundation to do more in that two-thirds field area. You mentioned O'Hara being able to cover so much ground. Uh, her, her fitness level is pretty famous uh, with the yeah. national team. 
Um, do you have any players that were already on the team that you're expecting to challenge her when it comes to things like the, I know she's won several national team beat tests. Look, we got a, we got a couple of flyers, you know, mm-hmm. we got a couple of players on our team that can go all day long. Um, so, you know, I think her addition moves the needle a little bit higher in terms of competition. You know, she hates to lose. She gets mm-hmm. pissy when, you know, when it's a five-sided team doesn't win, you know, and, and guarantee whether it's it's running, you know, our box-to-box runs or whatever Michael's prescribing for them, she's going to be at the forefront. But I'm, I think that she'll be surprised that we've got a couple of players in our squad who've got a great engine and can go all day long and and we'll, we'll push her a little bit, which is, which is what we want. We want everybody pushing each other. Uh, you know, speaking kind of on that front, um, you know, I assume that when you and Larry Best are talking to players elsewhere or agents or what have you, um, it kind of makes it a little easier to sell the project when you say, look, we just added Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet on top of these other players. Um, I know you can't necessarily say like, oh, we were talking to this specific player, but um, has that come up? Has that actually I, I'm speculating when I say that it seems like it would make it easier, but has that actually made the job easier in terms of recruiting other players for the rest of the roster? Yeah, it has. It really has. You know, we had conversations very, very recently about uh, a couple of national team players as well who, you know, had, you know, maybe designs or were interested in coming and playing at our football club now that, you know, the landscapes change, the attitudes change, the player comfort and player enjoyment has changed our brand and the football that we play has changed. I think, uh, you know, we are now a preferred destination mm. than than previously, and uh, you know, in, in previous iterations of this football club. So, so yeah, but it, for us, we're, we're still very, very picky. You know, we're still mm-hmm. very selective about who we want to have on board and, and who we want to keep around and, and you know, making sure that our dressing room and our and our culture and our environment is uh, a positive one and, and doesn't get affected. We have, you know, I think I've alluded to it several times in interviews, Jason. Where we've got a really, really good leadership group. You know, a mm-hmm. very, very good leadership group who who maintain standards or maintain what we're looking for in our in our you know our identity. So making sure we don't disrupt that was important. And and you know. Talented players are one thing, but talented players who've got a little bit of an ego and are going to create a problem, you know, I, I, we can ill afford adding those type of players to our football club because we just don't want the the harmony to be affected. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to leave out because these we're talking about the U.S. national team, but obviously you've also added um, Saori Takarada um, yep. from the Japanese national team. And um, I, I'm kicking myself a little bit because I, I quite literally have a tab open for the um, – Nadeshko League's uh, YouTube, uh, where they've got their games posted. I've been meaning to watch a few of her games to figure out exactly what we're going to be seeing. Um, yeah. But I haven't done that yet. Um, I, I ran out of time. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, you know, I'm, I am I know I've done some reading, and I know that with Japan, she's more winger forward, but I've also seen a couple things indicating that maybe she played a defensive role uh, this past season. Um, what what drew you in uh, to trying to bring her aboard and, and what do you expect out of her once she gets here? Yeah, I'd, I'd strongly recommend you watch her. She can play. Yeah. She's a, you know, she's a young talent, especially if you look at her, you know, in some of the, the national team games she's played, she's very, very prolific. 
you know, she's quick and busy and all of those Japanese players are incredibly technical, very, very mm. technical and very cerebral and that they play the game, you know, in a, in a mannerism that, that is very identifiable for the Japanese mm. brand, right? Um, but we, we recruited her specifically in a, in a similar role to the one Kumi played for us this year. You know, mm. one of those sort of flank roles, a, a little bit of a tweener, a second forward type of situation, maybe even a little bit behind. Uh, Hachi underneath her a little bit rather than on that high on the on the on the last line, mm. um, and then you know as we're looking through the next couple of Japanese squad selections, she's listed as a defender. <laughs> and we, we were like, oh, I got a second, but we can see her because she's a good footballer. We can see her maybe like Japan do in a three. You know, like they they like mm. to play out the back, and she can play in a three. I think in our league, it would be a big ask for her to play you know, in a role that Sam Stubb and, and Paige Nielsen play as a centre-back with the type of opponents she's facing here that's a lot different to what she would put, face in, in Japan. So, you know, maybe we're not locked into anything, but we recruited her thinking she was going to add in that that higher area to field for us. And, and that's really where we still think she mm. could be an impact for our team. But we'll have to wait and see when she gets into camp in a couple of weeks. Uh, did you did you have any chance to, I, I'm sure... Um... Uh, Kumi had something to say uh, about her, but uh, what? What? Uh, I, I guess the 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 question to my mind is is the it's still very fascinating to me trying to bring players in um, from Japan or from another league where uh, you have a, a kind of a league wide different style of play. You have a linguistic difference. Um, yeah. How how do you think? Or, or I guess maybe what I'm getting at is. Uh, the progression from what you learned having Kumi in with the team this past year, um, how much how much of those lessons can be applied this year uh, with uh, Takarada? You know, thankfully, Kumi and, and the personality that Kumi is, mm-hmm. you know, it set a great platform for Sari to come in. You know, when she comes in now, you know, Kumi's already plowed a path that she will, you know, follow in very, very quickly. We as a club are a little bit more attuned you know, the, the, the group that we used for English lessons for Kumi will be, you know, we'll, we'll get them on board again. And, and all the support systems that we had in place to make sure, you know, that the cultural differences were, were not massive. You know, it, it took probably about four or five months for Kumi to really find their feet. And the, and the football field and the training ground are the escapes for these players because everything else is so different. Like Kumi, we had massive issues with a, with a, a diet. Um, you know, she didn't take to the to the American food. She didn't mm. even to some of the ethnic foods that we tried to introduce her to. They're so different. So yeah. she was, you know, finding, you know, some in the Asian markets that, that supplied the types of foods that she was accustomed to and her system was accustomed to, uh, to make sure that we, we had her in a, in a good place. It's something that, you know, Sari will benefit from. When Takarada gets here, that, that path has already been plowed by, uh, by Kumi, which which should help us a little bit. As far as communication concerns, look, like, you know, I get along so well with Kumi. You know, she wants to fight with me every time we get on a training ground. We're always <laughs> laughing and joking. So I, I, I think when Takarada gets here, it's a little bit different in their culture. You know, they're, they're, they're very, very respectful people. Very, mm-hmm. very, you know, uh, private but respectful. And, and, and status is important. And I think Kumi was used to playing to with a little bit more discipline 
in a leader who is not laughing and joking and singing and messing around. And, and then when the game gets going on, switches into this, you know, this maniac on the sideline who wants us to play. Well, you know, it took her a little while to react, but on the training ground, she had a great time. Mm. Um, you know, looking, we're just a couple days after the, um, Oh, sorry about this. I'm getting a random phone call. That's um, all right. Uh, we're just a few days after the national team uh, camp uh, yep. roster was called in. Uh, you you have four players from the spirit on on the roster with O'Hara, Sana, Sullivan, Bledsoe. Um, knowing that, you know, I, I think with O'Hara and Sonnet, I think there's not any real element of surprise. But with, with Bledsoe and Sullivan, they've been kind of right on the brink a lot of times. Um Bledsoe's been called in the last few camps. Uh, Andy, obviously, she had the knee injury that sort of held her out for a while. Um, with this being an Olympic year, obviously, it's a huge chance for all four of them. Um, what does that do as far as your thoughts looking ahead? I know you you want to make sure you've got at least not like a rigid, you know, uncha- inflexible calendar as far as training and planning for games and everything, but... Um, you've still got the situation where you could be without a large number of players for a big chunk of the season. Uh, But on the other hand, it's good. It's very good. You want them getting that spot. Uh, How do you balance those two aspects, knowing that uh, you could have, you know, four incredibly important players off with the Olympic team down the road uh, and missing a huge chunk of the season? Uh, You know, I, I'm a little bit on the positive side, Jason. I don't think it's a huge chunk of the season. I think it's three games in the Olympic period that we miss and a little okay. bit of training. But, you know, the one that's of a, a huge concern for me uh, is Bledsoe, obviously, because it's a very, very, uh, you know, specific position. And mm-hmm. um, it's a specialist position that we need to have. And the way we play and, and Aubrey's feet are a huge uh, component to, to mm-hmm. that, you know. Uh, without being disrespectful anyway to to, to Kelly and, and Emily, that they, they've just joined our team and they've joined our team to make us better. Mm. But the, the current squad prior to their arrival were doing okay. So I'm not I don't have any real alarm bells ringing. You know, Kelly and Emily make us so much better. But you know the current group is good anyway. So mm. so I'm not really worried about that. Losing Sullivan and losing Bledsoe is a little bit more of a concern for me because Sullivan's leadership and Sullivan does things for us that no other player in our squad can do. And when mm-hmm. she's she's missing, she's noticeably absent, um, not just from her leadership and that, what an inspiring player she is, but her, her range of passing and her vision and, and her ability to change games really is, is a big loss for us. So mm-hmm. that one I'd be a little bit concerned about. But Bledsoe is someone that you look at and say, wow, you know, we had a goalkeeper taken from us in the expansion draft that we'd, we'd put a little bit of work in to try and get closer. We mm-hmm. have Devin Kerr and Dev's coming back and... and Trying to to you know to be someone that that gets closer to Orbs as well. So the, the acquisition that we have to bring in between now and the start of the season as a, a, a another goalkeeper into that mix is key. You know, mm-hmm. do we go and you know try and get somebody who's not potentially a number two, but potentially a one and a half that can step in? Is, is that that a, a, a situation for us? So because of, of how valuable Aubrey is to us, yeah, that that's the biggest concern. But look, you know. I think if we had to play tomorrow with the current 18 players we've got on the contract and a couple of players we're going to bring in from the draft, mm. it wouldn't be a bad group. You know, you lose a couple of players, you know, hopefully it's not all for them. And and, mm. and I 
I wish for all four of them that they do go to the Olympics and, and get gold medal. And uh, I'd love that for the four of them. But we, we will have to, you know, we'll struggle on here. We've got a good group of players that I'm very, you know, very proud of. I trust them explicitly. So, you know, implicitly. So I think it's uh, it's not that concerning for me. You know, whether whether they take Takarada and, and Yokoyama, Mm. Uh, maybe one of the other international players that we're, we're, we're communicate with right now, that could be a problem. <laughs> We've got seven mm-hmm. of them gone. That could be a massive <laughs> problem. But, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't foresee that being the case. I'm really not sure that's going to happen. You know, I'm a little bit disappointed that Hachi and Sanchito didn't get called into camp as well. But I think the fact that they both had uh, COVID prior mm-hmm. to the Christmas period, Probably scuppered their plans as a go, their, their chances of going into this camp as well. So I think their their recovery from that was was a factor in it too. Now, are they are they coming along well from that? Is it sort of just it's in the past, but we want to make sure that everything's uh, all right? Is that sort of the the prospect? Yeah, both of them. Or? Both of them are great. They didn't have you know they didn't have you know extreme symptoms, um, but they tested positive, mm. and you know I I I, I don't blame U.S. soccer in the slightest for being, you know, taking precautions and making sure that it, it, it's a camp that both of them probably would have loved to be in, mm. but you don't really want to go into one of those camps when you're not fully 100%. And I think mm. that's, that's in Vlaco's mind and, he, and he's very pragmatic like that. So I think both of them are, are, are fully mended and, and fully capable of playing. But I just think from a mental perspective, it, it's probably good that they, they wait and see where they are for the next one. And, you know, speaking of of those two players, and I know um, I've heard you mention, you know, advocating that Paige Nielsen and Sam Staub both uh, get into um, Vladko's thoughts maybe a little more, uh, and and on some of these rosters. Um, when you get in touch with him, how how hard are you lobbying for him to call some of these uh, some of these other players up? <laughs> you know, it's a Jason, it's a tough one, right? I mean. You don't want to be pushing him so far that he gets pissed off and doesn't take your calls <laughs> anymore. You know, yeah. so it's a balance. But Vlatko is brilliant. Look, I mm. think he's a he's a fantastic coach. He's a very very thoughtful guy, and, and tactically, you can see that he's very switched on tactically. And mm. and I, our players, when they go into camp, they really love it. You know, he and Milan, his assistant, who's great too. Those mm. guys do a great job, and and they're they're, they're superb. Uh, coaches to have at the helm of of, of U.S. soccer and, and to take over from Jill, um, but you know, all of us have got a little bit of an ego. All of us have got a little bit of of a status, and you don't want to, you know, if somebody keep banging on my my draw. Oh, hey, take this player, take this player, take this player, Richie. You know, at the end of the day, you start getting a little bit of pushback, and mm-hmm. I don't ever want to get to that stage. I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't go to Holland, Andy Sullivan, and I and I sort of shared that with him. But when I listened to his, his rationale, you know, I, I had to agree with him. I, you mm-hmm. know, as much as I'm a big advocate for Andy Sullivan and any of my players, I was a little bit pissy that that, that didn't happen because I thought she'd work the socks off to get back to that level. But, you know, I'm just a bit very myopically about my players. And he's thinking about it, you know, across the board with a lot more mm-hmm. players. And when he explained it to me, I was like, okay, oh, I get it. You know, and I, now I have to go back and share that with my player and make sure that they're in a good place mentally and they're in a good place where they are with, with the national team, because it's everybody's aspiration. And as far as Sammy and Paige, you go, yeah, we keep harping on about it. And I, and I, and I, I, I believe it to be the case. You've got to, your performances are what get, get picked, not mm. because you're, you're, you know, you're a nice person and not because you do some great post-game interviews. It's, it's your performances on the pitch. 
that get you picked and and keep playing well keep doing a great job keep being you know on on a, a very growth orientated pathway and it'd be very difficult for Vaco not to look at you and say wow mm. these, these, these they deserve a chance and that's where both of their mind they're coming into camp knowing that early part of the season they've got to get after it right away be right on top of 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 a growth curve and see where it goes yeah Moving over to the draft, which is looming uh, just a few days away from, uh, from when we're speaking. Um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, this is this seems like it's the most convoluted draft uh, the league has ever had. Uh, I can't remember the last time getting you know major rule clarifications uh, that mean that just any senior is a player that you could draft now. There's no registration. Um, You've got multiple players here. This national team camp has Macario, Howell, Fox. They all could end up uh, being in this uh, this draft pool or not. Um, so sitting with that second pick especially, how complicated is it to plan for the seemingly endless number of scenarios that can get coughed up between now and, and uh, Wednesday evening? <laughs> That's, you know, we, we could spend – Another hour and a half talking about that one pick alone. You have mm. to have several contingencies in place. And, you know, I, I don't believe that uh, Jalen Howell's coming out. I think that she, she's very locked into Florida State. And Mark Corrine does a brilliant job down there. So, you know, I'm not really surprised at that one. I think she, you know, she could benefit from another year down there. That's a good program. Mark's a great guy. And I think, you know, I'd be very surprised, absolutely shocked if she came out. Um mm. The other one who's an also a great player that's going to have a great future in our league is, is me official at UCLA, and I think she's staying in school as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've looked at a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different contingencies. We've talked about, you know, is Macario going to be the consensus number one pick or is, is you know, the rumour that she's going to go and play overseas going to prevail? Um, Foxy is certainly, you know, a player that is... is, is Highly touted. I'm sure Paul Valley would love to get his hands on that two pick or one pick and get her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but we've we've had to play, you know, different scenarios, and and we are we are very specific about what we want. And I and I think if anything, the last two drafts that we've been involved in have proven that we don't just draft players. We pick players that we're going to sign. We take players mm-hmm. who we actually bring into the football club and. Don't wait for them to try out and get involved in our mix and see how they do. We know that we want to sign them because we do due diligence and we, we look at all different factors and we know that the player we want to bring in, we want to sign. So when it comes to these changes in the draft, I welcome them. You know, I know some college coaches are a little upset that mm. maybe some of their players' heads are being turned now that they are all on the trading or all on, on the selection block. But I think that's how it should be. I don't think you should have to register, you know, for, for the draft. I don't think you should have to go through that process. I think if a professional football club wants to sign you, they should be able to sign you. I think any professional football club who wants to sign a player and doesn't go about speaking to the player and speaking to their representatives and speaking to their former coaches and, and doing all the research that you need to to acquire a player in professional football, shame on you. You know, mm-hmm. being lazy and just picking someone from a draft because they happen to have done well in their conference or happen to have done well in their college season, that's, this is the only place in the world that that happens. Every other professional football club around the globe goes and does research on the players that they want to bring in. 
And that's the mindset that we've had all along. We're not going to sign a player from the draft process if we don't think they're going to play for us. We don't think they're going to come and be a part of our football club. We don't think they're going to get a contract and, and, and you know, make us better. We're just not going to do that. So we've gone through a couple of exercises where if this happens, this is the way we're going to go. If this happens, this is the way we're going to go. And and luckily, our two and our 19 picks, which is all we've got right now, mm-hmm. I think they're pretty pretty easier to to negotiate than we've had in previous seasons when there's been a lot of different scenarios, potentially, you know, potential scenarios. This year, I think there's not that many. It sounds, I don't want to put words in your mouth, it sounds like um, this has kind of come up a lot that um, it might be better to just do away with the draft entirely and let the teams and the players simply negotiate and, you know, the players and teams figure it out for themselves. Um, would you, I know that you can't control this. You can't just call the league and say, Hey, let's not do a draft anymore. But would you prefer it that way? You know, I, I, I sort of enjoy the, the prospect of the league getting a little bit of pomp and circumstance, getting a little bit of notoriety, getting a little bit of media coverage. I think it's good for the league. It's good for our mm-hmm. league and good for our product. Right. So, but I, I don't agree necessarily that we should restrict ourselves in that draft process. Or, or player acquisition process, whatever you want to call it, to to ju- only those who register, right? Mm. Because you know, and, and I don't think it should be just college players either. I think you should be able to. If you want, if we wanted to pick a 17, 18 year old player that we thought was going to be a phenom and come to our football and, and be great, we should have the capacity to sign them. I, I don't think it should be just a college draft. I think it should be the NWSL draft, and it's open season for teams to go and in, in the the picks that they get to go and acquire a player. And let the league get all the, the, the recognition and get the, the PR for being the, the best women's league in the world. You know, mm. we, we're, we're competing. The WSL has sort of made it their, their mission to try and compete with the NWSL, which, you know, I think is a little bit laughable. A couple of teams definitely have got financial weight mm. from the men's programs. But, you know, the, 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 the crowds are a little bit laughable. They're, um, you know... Stadiums that they play in are not the same as the quality that we play in over here. So we still continue to be the best league in the world and have the best players and best in the world. So getting our league recognition and getting our league the highest professional standard and giving us the capacity to go and get the best players to play in this league, I think is important instead of being limited about it. And I think that way, you know, college coaches won't get upset. There's a lot of really, really good college coaches out there and they want their players to be mm-hmm. professional footballers. They, they, they you know, don't have a, an issue with their players becoming professional footballers. It's maybe the process by which it happens that's that's an issue for them. So I think if we if we do a better job with that and, and make it open season, just let teams go and get who they want in, in, mm-hmm. in a draft process. I think that's probably better for us. Uh, before Before we wrap up, you know, we're talking about the draft being right around the corner, but that means that the preseason is also right around the corner. We're not even a full month away from the first day of preseason. Um, You know, we've had a fairly substantial change to how the NWSL calendar works um, with there being a preseason and then the challenge cup and then the regular season. Um, But I I guess I want to focus first on that, that preseason section. Um, Is that, yeah, I think it's roughly six weeks you're getting. Do you feel like that's enough time, especially with the fact that, you know, it's not 100% clear whether your draft picks will be uh, reporting for that time or they'll be coming in uh, after their college seasons? 
Uh, I think if, if everything goes to plan, our draft picks will be coming in for preseason. Mm-hmm. But us, right now, you know, the hard start date for our league is February 1. But the first match in the Challenge Cup is not till April 12. That's mm-hmm. a significant preseason for any professional team, right? So, you know, that that would make it the four weeks in February, the four plus in in March, um, mm. to get you closer to you know a ten week preseason or eight nine week preseason. That's a lot. And I think mm. speaking to counterparts in the league, they're a little bit concerned about that as well. That that you know that's a long period leading into your first actual match, mm. and um, you know it's it's hard with professional footballers. If they are that we were very very target oriented to not, you know, have them them wander and have difficulties. It's now forty two week periodization plan for us. As in last year it was thirty three. Mm-hmm. It's now potentially thirty plus games if you add in preseason matches in as opposed to twenty four. So it's a completely different model for us uh, this year than it has been in previous years. So any draft picks who are coming in out of amateur football, college football, whatever you call it, into a professional environment, it's going to be a big ask for them physically. So we have to be very mindful about how we go about it. Every single player that has come into the professional ranks from college undergoes that process where they hit a wall at some stage or they hit some physical difficulties at some stage. Because the college game or the amateur game is really not the most ideal preparation physically for players to come in to a professional sport. You know, I think Sam Stab is probably the most unique player because she's just a beast, an actual physical beast. <laughs> but, you know, not many players can do what Sam Stab did, come in out of your college season and play every minute of every match in a professional season. Um, I wish they were all like that. I wish everybody had Sam's durability, but but they don't. Mm-hmm. And and as a result, you have to be very, you know, your high-performance coach and your, 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 your support staff in, in the sports science areas have to be very aware of, of the potential pitfalls of young players coming into the demands of the professional game. And especially this year, with it being so long, a long preseason and a longer period with a lot more games in it. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, you know, last year, um, you guys went to Florida. Obviously, COVID happened very soon after it really broke out after you got there and you were just sort of stuck down there. Um is it how important is it to do something like that again and this time actually get to you know follow the plan that you initially had uh when you when you first uh had the idea of going down to Florida last year yeah you know it's it's vital because that's the period for us in a warm weather camp where you know you've got the climate you've got the surface you've got the environment to get most of your you know your tactical plan your team tactical periodization sorted out right we we can have the field periodization that, you know, Michael Minthorn, my high-performance coach, is brilliant. He takes care of most of that, and we incorporate that in our, in our you know, microcycle planning. But the team mm-hmm. tactical periodization, that's when it happens most of the time, when we're talking about, you know, and the reason we didn't do it last season, can you press? Can you go and press on a team? If you, if you haven't been able to periodize your team tactical plans, you, you can't press. because You know, you, you don't have it where everybody's on the same page and understands the triggers and understand the motion. So... When you're away in a warm weather camp, you get most of that done. How, what, you know, it, it's situational training. What will we do in this scenario? Just a basic one is if we go a player down, what do we do when we're a man down? If we're playing against a team that's had a player sent off and we're a man up, what are we going to do? They're all your, your team 
tactical periodization uh, you know, processes that you work on during that time because you've got them in that captive, captive environment. You can play a lot. You can do an awful lot. And mm. it builds the great foundation in your, in your warm weather camp environment. So convincing you know, ownership that that was an important piece for us um, was a major coup. And, and I'm hoping that we're going to get the same value out of the trip this year. This time we'll actually <laughs> be able to apply all of this, <laughs> everything what we've worked on, all the presentations and all the stuff that we've done. We'll actually be able to apply it this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess my my last question, um, you kind of it's kind of on this same topic, but looking further down the road, um, you know, the NWSL calendar. It's not that long ago that we're talking about a, a league that from start to finish was like a seven and a half, eight month situation. And now we're talking about, you know, championship game in late November, uh, preseason starting in February, you're covering most of the calendar now. Um, How big of an impact can stretching the schedule out and covering that much more of the year uh, have not just this year, but, you know, in terms of building your team, in terms of building individual players? Um. Huge. But, you know, I have to give a little bit of credit here. Since I came into the league and, it, you know, I'm not very familiar with what went on prior to this because I you know, really wasn't on the, the women's side. But I have to give an awful lot of credit to a progressive leadership. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Amanda Duffy at, at, at the league started her off and Lisa Bird's done a great job since she came on board. Um, I think they're moving very much towards a much more professional setup, a much more uh, inclusive for the players setup that that makes our league you know, comparable anywhere in the league, anywhere in the world. Our league now is a competitive league. So our job is to make sure players, number one, for me, most important piece is that they're remunerated the way they should be and getting paid for, for their value, uh, being treated at a high professional mm-hmm. level where all of the accoutrements and all the support stuff uh, allows them to be the best players they possibly can be. And I think the league has moved in that direction, which is great when you've got a progressive thinking leadership a progressive thinking ownership group. We've got, you know, two expansion teams coming in next year to make us better still. You know, it, it's exciting to be involved in the league. And if I was a player in this league, I think I'd be really, really pleased with with where the league's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and our job is to make sure that our players are, you know, are really behind our team and have the buy we want to play our way, to represent our brand the best way we can, to repay our ownership for, for all the support. And I feel that, you know, every time we, we set foot in a, in a football club, every time we we start doing preparations for these players, I feel that. That's what we should be striving towards. Um, so, you know, I, I'm excited that we've got that, that base. And again, you have to give credit to people at the league who are trying to do what I believe is the best for this league, the best for the players in this league, and best for the, for the teams and ownership in this league. And thanking Richie uh, again for for taking the time to talk to me during uh, what is a very, very, very busy period of the year for uh, everyone making decisions with the spirit. It was a really an interesting conversation, and uh, I, I plan on bringing him back again. I, I hope that he's willing to come back on again, um, but I plan on bringing him again uh, before we actually start seeing soccer uh, to get more of a picture on how preseason is going, what the team's broader expectations are so on and so forth. Um, I'm sure we'll have just as much, if not more, to talk about then uh, as we did in this one. Thank you for listening. If you want to look at back episodes, if you want to check on 
the the show in general the webcast uh, the webcast the website is plexweather.pinecast.co the twitter account is at plexweather uh you can follow my personal account at jason dc soccer which is where probably more of the like spirit news is going to come out of if i if i'm reporting something it's going to come probably there rather than on the plexweather account if you want to follow both that's great uh if you only want to follow one well I guess make your choice. If you don't want to follow either, that's also fine. Uh, I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. You can listen to the show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, there is, going back to the website, because I'm doing this out of order, because I'm I'm a little rusty. It's been a little while since we had an episode. Um, if you go back to the uh, the Plexweather website or the link, there, the bio for the Plexweather Twitter account, there is a link to a tip jar if you'd like to financially support the show uh in some way it would mean a ton to me uh it it does definitely have a tangible uh impact on what i can do uh full full disclosure i'm recording on a microphone that i'm having to balance on an old an old empty bottle of uh, zyrtec uh allergy medication because the legs on it don't want to stay quite upright and i don't have a tool that can get in there and fix it the the screws are recessed in such a way that I, I don't have anything that I own that can get up there and turn those screws to tighten the legs. These are the kind of things that uh, could improve. Uh, the sound quality is probably okay, but it could be better. This is a this is about as cheap a microphone as you can get without just uh, being your laptop mic. So these are the kind of things that could improve uh, with people supporting the show. Hopefully, I am making a show that is worth your support. Uh, and if I'm not, I, I guess let me know. Let me know what you would want uh, changed so that you might consider doing that. Until until I hear from you about that or anything else, again, shouting out anyone that has uh, Japanese pronunciation advice. Uh, I am all ears for that as well. Thanks for listening. <laughs>